getting clearer The past is gone It went by like dust to dawn Isn't that the way Everybody's got the dues and lives to pay I know nobody knows where it comes and where it goes I know it's everybody's soon you got to lose your lip-syncing y'all missed the first service was uh, the great part they had streamers off of the microphone but I made them take that off yeah I know all right and I won't tell you what kind of pants he's wearing the first service if uh, today this is kind of an odd thing to say after that is uh, we are following that song with Psalm chapter 3 
verse number two. So if you have your Bible and you would like to follow along, we're going to look there in just a few moments. But obviously that is probably one of the most recognizable, at least to some of us older people, one of the most recognizable songs in, in all of music. And so uh, Stephen Tyler, whenever he talked about that song, he was asked, what is the meaning of the song? And it's, it's not very difficult, but here's what he said. He said, it's about the hunger to be somebody, to dream until your dreams come true. And so today, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about dreams. Now, there's some things that I have noticed about dreams. Everybody has them. Everybody has dreams, but not everybody's dreams end up being fulfilled. And then I know other people, and they've had dreams, and they've seen those dreams come true. But then after they come true, then they kind of look back, and they think, well, that, that was all I was hoping for? I mean, those dreams didn't bring fulfillment. Those dreams did not bring satisfaction. Uh, I, I love the story about a guy. He was talking about when he was younger, his family would travel from San Francisco to West Texas to visit his family every year. And he said it was a great trip for us. He said we'd get together and we'd go. And, and he said uh, the, the highlight for us is we got, to, we got to eat at restaurants as we were driving to West Texas. He said we never, as kids, we just never ate out. And so anytime... We went on family vacation. It was such a treat to eat out. And he said, of course, the boys, we'd all sit there, and it came time for the waitress to ask us what we wanted. And we would, we'd pull out the kitty menu, and we would order. And he said, it was a lot of fun. He said, but everything changed for us right before we got to Texas. He said, my youngest brother, the, the waitress asked him, said, what would you like? So he put down the kitty menu, and he said, I'm going to have what dad's having. So that absolutely changed everything. So our youngest brother was smart enough to recognize portions are bigger, food's better, and I just simply want what dad's having. Now, he went on to say this. He said, wouldn't it be neat if we did the same thing with God? Instead of us ordering all the time off of the kitty menu spiritually, if we just sit back and say, you know what, I'm going to have what the Heavenly Father's having. Because we would recognize that his portions are bigger than ours, that, that what he has in mind, that what fills him up is going to be so much more than what fills us up. And so today, that's why we're talking about dreams, because I believe that for most people, that as time goes by, we've lost sight of our dreams, and we've lost sight of, of what God can do and how God can work in our lives. And, and that's why I think that Psalm chapter 3, is, it's really an interesting passage of Scripture. Because whenever David wrote this passage of Scripture, he was in a time of what we would say was hopelessness in his life. And yet, even though he was hopeless, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but even though he was hopeless, he was still able to look forward to a future and to dream. Because he believed that God's hand was on his life. And I want you to know today, and I want this church to know, that, that regardless of what you are facing and what we might face as a church, is that God has His hand on His people. And that makes all the difference in the world. And so that's why we're going to look in Psalm chapter 3 and in verse number 2. And just a little bit of the background of what's going on in this passage of Scripture is David was on the run when the Scripture was written. He was running for his life. He was the king of Israel at this time, but he had a son named Absalom. And Absalom had, had an army, and he came into Jerusalem, and so David grabbed whatever he could, and he's hightailing it out of Jerusalem, trying to, trying to save his life. 
And his son Absalom, he wasn't just going there in order to overthrow his dad. He was going into Jerusalem in order to kill his dad. And that's why the scripture is so interesting because his, his son is after him, looking to kill him. And yet we see that David is still clinging on to a future. And I think, how, how in the world could you have a future after something like this? How, how in the world could you even think of anything positive when, whenever you know that you have a son who wants your life to end? Well, today our, our lesson is going to be about dreaming. And, and I know this. I know sometimes it, it's hard for us to dream because of guilt. And sometimes it's very difficult for us to think about a future and think about what God could do in our lives and what God could do in the life of a church because some, of guilt that we're harboring, because we, we know what our past is like. Now, I want to read to you the first two verses of chapter 3. David wrote this. He said, Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me, there is no help for him in God. And again, remember, David's writing this whenever his son and an army has just chased him out of Jerusalem. He is on the run for his life. And then David said, there are many who say about me that not even God can help me. In other words, David was saying, there's a lot of people that look at me and they say, I'm done, I don't have a future, things are so bad for me that not even God can help me. And if you look at David's past, if you know anything about David's life, it'd be pretty easy to say, well, I mean, you would have to say it in a lot of ways, David was a guilty guy. I mean, a lot of the junk that David went through in his life, it was self-inflicted. And you can read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 11. David, is, as many of you know, David was a guy who's a good guy, and then all of a sudden he, he, he falters, he falls away from God. He has an affair with a lady named Bathsheba. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 11. And then you go on from there, and it's like David's trajectory of his life, it was, it was a totally different trajectory after that. I mean, everything's on the up and up, and then the affair with Bathsheba happens, and it is like, it is like a roller coaster ride straight down. He is in trouble time and time again. You look at David's life from that point on, you see that David, he, he lost respect. He lost his family. He lost the love of a nation. Now, David, we, we know that David did ask God for forgiveness. And we know that God in his graciousness forgave him. David repented of his sin. He turned away from it. But here's the deal. David still faced the consequences of his sin. And part of those consequences is he had a son who had his eye on his daddy's throne. And whenever the people saw what was going on in David's life, there's some people that looked at David and they said, he's finally getting what he deserves. They're looking at David and they say, I'm not surprised that's happening to David. They even got to a point where they said, David is beyond the help of God. And my guess is there's probably some of us today who can identify with that. Some of us who can look at our past, who can look at some of the things that have happened in our lives, some of the things that we've done in our lives, and we think, man, I'm beyond the help of God. There's no way that God could use somebody like me. There's no way that God could overlook some of the things that I've done in my life. I mean, I look at David, and I think, why would David even dare to dream after he betrayed his, betrayed his wife? Why would he even dare to dream whenever he had Bathsheba's husband murdered? And I know this, I know guilt carries with it enormous power. Guilt is something that is crippling. 
It can cause us to give up. It can cause us to quit dreaming. It can cause us to get to a point where we think there is no way that God could use somebody like me. And so what happens because of that is we just sort of go through life and we miss out on blessings from God and dreams from God because we don't think that God believes we're worth investing in. Uh, there was a story about a pastor. He's a young guy and just gone to seminary. And as a young man, he was, he was called to be a pastor of a church. And he was so excited about it. I, I remember that when that happened to me. And then, and then you become a pastor and then you think, what in the world am I as a 24-year-old guy going to, how am I going to give spiritual insight to people who've been a Christian longer than I have? I'll say this, churches that take on pastors like me and other guys, they have a special place in heaven. So this guy, he becomes a pastor, and then it just starts wearing him out. He said, what am I doing here? I don't have anything important to say. I mean, I know what I'm like. I know what I've done in the past. And he said he had this one lady in his church who was older, and she always talked about how she would talk with God all the time. And he said she was, it was, she was right. He said, but just the way she said it irritated him. He said, so finally he just went up to her and said, hey, why don't you ask God what he's got to say about me? Why don't you ask God what, what, what I used to be like and see what he says? And so after a few days, he went up to the lady and said, did you talk to God? She said, yeah. Did you talk to him about me? She said, yes. He said, well, what did he say about my past? And she looked at him, just kind of smiled and said, he said he forgot. And I thought about that. I thought, man, what a, what a great statement. You know, so many of us are paralyzed by our guilt in the past that we forget the promises that God has given us. I said, what are the promises that God has given us concerning our past? When we turn away from our sin, he says there's forgiveness. The only thing I know to say is what the Bible says. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Uh, Romans 8.35-39 says, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. And we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. But then he says, but no, in all these things, we are more than victorious through him, through God, who loved us. For I'm persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. David had a lot of guilt in his life. A lot of things that he'd done in his life that were contrary to who God was and what God wants. And sometimes we have that same kind of guilt to where it squashes any dreams for a future that we might have. But let me encourage you to do something like David. Instead of going by your feelings, instead of going by what people say, people were telling David, you are beyond the reach of God, David decided he was going to hang on to the promises of God. Now, sometimes it's hard to, to dream because of guilt. But, but here's something that I want to encourage you to do about dreams. Your dreams can come alive again when you will take time to remember. When you'll take time to remember. You must say, remember what? Well, we're going to see what, what David did. And look in verses 3 and 4. Here's what he said. So here he is. People say, you're beyond the help of God. And then David says, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. 
Now, David had guilt, but then he took time to remember. Now, what did he remember? Well, he remembered some things about God. And I really believe that's a great lesson for us. If you are overwhelmed with your guilt and overwhelmed with your past, let me encourage you to remember who God is and what Scripture says about God. David remembered two very important things about God. First of all, he noticed this. He said, God, I remember this. You are my shield. And then he also said this, God, not only are you my shield, but you also are a God who answers me. Now, too many times what we do is what we remember, and instead of us remembering who God is, what we do is we remember what we've done. And whenever that's your focus, and when that's my focus, I promise you, that is a dream killer. Because it is in our nature to sin. It is in our nature to rebel against God. So the Bible tells us, Ephesians 2, 3, says, We too all previously lived among them in our, it says, fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. It says, We were by nature children under wrath, as were the others also. Now the fact of the matter is, everybody in this room, it is in your nature to be rebellious. Even if you don't want to be, it is in your nature to rebel against God. And whenever you do that, and whenever you know that's a part of your nature, it's easy to think I'm beyond God's reach. And that's where David was, but David remembered something about God. Here's what he remembered first of all. He said, Lord, I remember you are my shield that is all around me. Now, whenever, whenever you think of a shield, I don't know what you think of. I can tell you what I think of. I think of King Arthur. When I was a kid, I used to love those, all those movies. I love King Arthur movies. I love you know, anything with Robin Hood. But I think of a, I think of a soldier with a, with a shield, holding up a shield, and I think of some big, you know, big old mean guy with a sword, and he's swinging that thing, and, and the guy lifts up his shield, and the shield uh, causes the sword to deflect off of the man. Okay, that, he's, David said, that's who God is for me. He said, as, as the power of sin is coming at me and all my guilt is coming at me, he said, God is my shield who will protect me from the blows of my sin. So, Lord, I, I remember you are my shield. You know, Ephesians 2, 3 says, we are by nature objects of God's wrath. David remembered who God was. He remembers, Lord, I remember you being my shield. You know, and that, that wasn't just, the, he can think of a lot of different examples in his life when God was his shield. David, before he fought Goliath, King Saul thought he was crazy. David, why would you do this? And David had this to say. He said, I remember how the Lord delivered me in the past from the paw of the bear and the lion. And he said, because of what he's done for me in the past, he will give victory for me in the future. And David went and he fought the giant Goliath and he won. You know, the, the greatest indicator of future performance is past performance. Now, if you need encouragement in your life, remember your past about God, how God has worked in your past, and know that how God has worked in your past is an indicator of how God will work in your future. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, Paul Harvey uh, told a story a number of years ago about a man named Eddie Rickenbacker. Uh, you might be familiar with him, but he was a, a man who every, every Friday until his death in 1973, he would go to a pier at a beach in Florida with a bucket of shrimp, and he would feed seagulls. So Paul Harvey interviewed him, asked him why he did that. Well, it went back to World War II. His B-17 bomber crashed. He had some men that survived the crash with him, and they were in a life raft in the ocean. They, they were in a life raft for almost 30 days. 
he said that the hardest part of that whole event or that whole horrific uh, adventure for them, he said it, it was not the sharks that kept ramming into our life raft trying to eat us every day, which is horrifying. He said it wasn't the scorching sun that was just burning us to a crisp every day. He said it was the starvation that was so difficult. He said after eight days, he said we were out of anything to eat. And he said, we were sitting there, he said, and of course, you know, whenever you're on a life raft, one thing that you do is you begin to pray. So we actually had a prayer service. He said, so we got finished praying, and he said, the sun is beating down on me. He said, I had a hat on. And he said, I was just sort of nodding off. And he said, when I felt something land on my head, he said, nobody had to say anything to me. He said, I knew immediately it was a bird. He said, it was a seagull. He said, the miracle was we were hundreds of miles away from land, and this bird just shows up out of nowhere and lands on my head. He said, I look up, and all my friends are sitting there looking at me. They're not saying a word. He said, they are just looking hungrily at that seagull. And he said, I knew my job was to catch it. He reached up. He was able to grab the seagull. He said, they had seagull for dinner. All the leftover parts, he said, they used it for, for bait in order to fish until they were rescued almost 30 days later. They were able to survive. So he said, because of that, so when I got home, he said, every Friday, I go down to the pier, and I feed shrimp to seagulls as my way of letting God know that I remember how he provided for me. And I thought, for me, that, that, that's something that I need to do. That's something you need to do. Is we need to remember what God has already done in our lives, how God's already provided for us. Because the way God provides for us in the past, is, guys, he will provide in the future. I can give you a couple examples of my own life. I remember uh, before my freshman year in college, I was on my way. I was getting ready to leave to go to college at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. And for some reason, a few weeks before, I decided not to go there. And I decided to go to Furman. And so I went to Furman. That, that decision changed my life forever. Because I met a girl named Emily, and we got married, and then we had three children. And then later on, I met somebody else. No, I'm kidding. And so I met it. It changed my life. Isn't that interesting? That one decision changed my life. Here, here's another thing that happened. When my son was five years old, he's playing soccer. And I just went to a soccer game. And I'm sitting there, and I see a guy standing by himself. And I just, you know, I was bored because I hate soccer. And so I walk over, and I start talking to this guy. And he's a, he was a professor at Carolina. He was Hungarian. And because of that conversation, we began to talk every, every time our sons played soccer. And out of those conversations was birthed in my heart desire to start a church. I can think of times in the past whenever I did not know how our family was going to survive, how our how ends were going to meet, but God provided for us every time. You know what that does for me? It gives me confidence. That whenever I look in the future and I get scared, then I go back and I remember what God has already done for me. And it allows me to dream. It allows me to be able to have hope. I look at David. Remember, David is surrounded, the Bible says, by thousands of men. By thousands of men. And in verse number four, he says, he cried aloud to the Lord and he remembered. He says this, he answers. My God is my shield and my God also answers. God is not, I don't care where you are right now, God is not oblivious to you. God knows what's going on in your life and God is willing to answer you. Now I know that whenever times are difficult, that and, and whenever you're looking to the future, it's hard to dream sometimes because of guilt that we have in our lives. But whenever you get that way, let me encourage you, for those of you who are believers, let me encourage you to remember. Remember what God's done for you. Remember what God, how God has moved in your past. 
And then finally know this, we, we can dream on. Because when God gives you a dream, you can know this, He will fulfill it. You see, when God places dreams on your heart, God will fulfill those dreams. I, I look in verses 5 and 6 for this. It says, I lie, David said, I lie down and sleep. He says, and I wake again because the Lord sustains me. He says, I'm not afraid of the thousands of people who've taken their stand against me on every side. Now that is courage. David is a man who's on the run. He is, lit- I mean, he is fighting for his life. Things aren't looking good for him. And then as, as he's running away, in verse number 5, David said, I lie down and sleep. How, how can you lie down and sleep when people are trying to kill you? And I'm thinking, he's taking Tylenol PM. I mean, what, what's going on here? Was he lying down to sleep because he's trying to mentally escape from his problems? Was, was he lying down to sleep because he is overwhelmed with depression? That's not it. He was able to lie down and sleep and have rest for a very simple reason. If you look at verse number 6, he says, I lie down and I was not afraid. Why? Because he had committed himself to God. He trusted God. Even though there was treachery, even though a nation had abandoned him, David said, my Lord will sustain me. That the word sustain paints the picture of leaning on something that's solid. Leaning on something that will hold you up. Now David didn't know exactly what the future held for him. He just knew that God had a promise that his kingdom would be established. And so he said, I'm going to lean on what God's promised me. I'm going to trust that what God says is true. And when he did that, he was able to rest regardless of circumstances. You know, one of my, one of my favorite stories is a guy named Tim Hansel. He's a Christian author. And wrote a story about when he went hiking with his son. And he said, well, they were out hiking. His son was just a little boy at the time. So they came, came by some cliffs. He said, I'm walking along the path. And he said, I just hear my son yell at me, Dad, catch me. He said, I look up. He said, my son is already in flight. And he said, and he lands and he hits me. He said, I catch him. I saw fall to the ground. He said, I'm ticked off. He said, it scared me to death. He said, I, look, I said, what in the world are you doing? What, what would make you do something like that? And he said, my son was confused. And he said, he just sort of looked up at me and said, well, because you're my dad, and I knew you'd catch me. Now, wouldn't that be great to live like that little boy concerning our Heavenly Father? Where we just simply, where we just simply jump off and say, hey, God, catch me. And, and, and we jump because we know that he's going to catch us. Now, I'm not talking about being stupid. But I'm talking about whenever God leads you and God gives you a dream in your heart that you say, you know what, I'm going to trust that what God has placed in my heart is true and I'm going to go do it because I trust Him. You know, whenever I look at Scripture and I see the promises that are given to me in Scripture, that I'm going to hang on to those promises in Scripture because I trust that what God says is true. When Jesus says in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm going to jump off on that and say, I believe it. I'm going to trust it because Jesus said it. Whenever Scripture tells me that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you shall be saved. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to hold on to it. Why? Because God said it. Whenever God says that He has a plan and a future for His people, I'm going to trust it. I'm going to hang on to it. When I sense God calling me to reach out to a neighbor, to love that neighbor, even though they might get on my nerves sometimes, then I'm going to do it because I trust God. 
that whenever God impresses upon my heart to minister to a person and to tell them about Jesus, I'm going to do it. Because I trust Him. Whenever I sense God calling me to serve, then I'm going to do it. Because I trust God. Now, Villasters, let me just close with this. I believe this. I believe that God has dreams for you. That He has dreams for this church. But here's the question. Are you hanging on to those dreams? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's that God has called you to serve in some capacity. Maybe God has placed, for some reason, a desire in your heart and in your spirit to impact the lives of children. Have you done it yet? Are, are you jumping out saying, God, I will do that because I believe when you put a dream on my heart, Lord, you'll make it come true. You may say, well, what, what should I do? You know, we have C4 ministry here at Village Church. I mean, the, each one of those C's stands for something. One of them, it stands for campus. And you, you can walk out the door, and we have C4 brochures right there, and you can see different ways how you can be involved in our campus ministries at Village Church. Maybe others, you, have, you just have a real compassion for people. I know some of you uh, men and, and women, and you have a real love and compassion for people. Why, why, why don't you serve in that way? You know, we have a, a care team ministry. It's one of our C's where you can look and see how you can get involved and how you can serve. One of the things we're doing is we're getting ready to go to Haiti. That's part of our, our care team at Village Church. But you know, if God places that on your heart, go after it, trusting that when God gives you a dream, He will fulfill the dream. Now, sometimes it's scary to dream on because we have guilt. You guys, remember who your God is. He is bigger than you. He is bigger than your problems. And He has the power and the capacity to restore so that you can dream, so that you can serve, so that you can represent Jesus. And we as a church and we as individual Christians can see restoration occurring in the lives of the people around us as we dream that what God says, it is true. 